listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I'm going to show you five things from the Word of God. Uh, that angels, your angels, are doing for you right now. They're actually actively involved in working on your behalf. I'm going to show you that from the Word of God tonight. This is going to help you big time. What's up, Melissa? Good to see Melissa on tonight. Um, So let me show you this. I want to start, if you have your Bible, uh, with Hebrews chapter 1. And I I want to help you understand something uh, that I think it took me a while to understand. And I've been questioned about this. And when you're questioned about something, it makes you dig into the word and discover what you really believe about it based on what does the Bible really say about it? What does the Bible say about it? And so we're going to get into that. And I want to show you from the word of God, uh, not only what your angels are doing, but I want to show you that you have access to angelic assistance on a daily basis. And I want to tell you why. That's so important. Angels are not just arbitrary spiritual beings. They're purposeful beings. And God uses his angels to help you. And so Hebrews chapter 1 is where I want to start with you guys tonight. And then I'm going to jump over to Matthew 26 just briefly because I want to get a question out of the way that needs to be gotten out of the way, I think, right at the beginning of this teaching tonight for us to understand properly how we interact with angels. And uh, I want you to see this. Hebrews chapter 1, look at this. I'll start with verse 13. Now, if you don't understand, Hebrews is a book that's showing the Jewish people the fact that Christ Jesus is the high priest. And um, hey, Jocelyn, I love you. The, uh, the Jews are being shown here by the writer of Hebrews that Christ Jesus is the high priest and uh, the supremacy of God's son, the, the supremacy of the Messiah. And so it's talking about Jesus. I'm in Hebrews chapter one, and then look at verses 13 and 14. I want you to check this out with me. The Bible says, and to which of the angels has God ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. So he's breaking this down to show show them Jesus is greater than angels. And we know that Jesus Christ is greater than angels because he's contrasting here what God said to Jesus that he's never said to angels, which is sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Look at verse 14. Now, now this is speaking about angels. Now, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? So catch this. This is a great definition for those of you that are uh, wanting to understand the angelic assistance we have better. Angels, this is the definition here. They are ministering spirits that are sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. So if you have, what's up, Audrey? If you have inherited salvation, 
then angels are ministering spirits that have been sent out to serve on your behalf. So angels are serving on your behalf. And I'm going to show you five areas tonight where they're serving, how they're serving you, what they're doing to help you. Whether you see it or don't see it, I'm going to show you and share some stories with you that'll build your faith. But first thing we need to see is this, is that they are all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. Now, I told you to flip back with me to Matthew 26 because I had a conversation uh, one time with someone that I, I respect very highly. And I mean, to this day, respect very highly. And we, we got to talking about this subject and it was a very interesting point that he brought up. He's a minister just uh, as I am as well. And we were at dinner together and we were talking about angels and uh, he brought up a point that I'd never really thought about and it made me think. I like having friends that make me think. I like having friends that uh, sometimes will show me a different aspect of something I've never thought about before. Uh, not people that are all just yes men or yes women that just agree with whatever you say. I like it when people show me a different side of the same story to get you thinking a little differently. And he said, you know, it's interesting. And I'll say what he said to you so that you can think about it for a minute. Because many times when we've prayed, you know, you'll hear people, especially Pentecostal or charismatic people will pray. And we'll may say like, Lord, we send angels to do this, or we, we send angels to do that. And, um, he brought this point up, which I thought was great. He said, you know, I've never, he said, uh, I've always been on the fence about whether or not we should command angels or that we should directly, uh, speak to our angels. And this is why he said it, which was very interesting. Made me think he said, we don't have any record in the old or new Testament of believers commanding angels. What we do have is a lot of examples of God commanding his angels. And I thought, man, that's a great point. That's a very great point. Angels are spiritual beings and Old Testament. We don't really have any examples of uh, God's people commanding angels. New Testament, we don't really have any examples of uh, necessarily of God's people commanding angels. <clears throat> and I started to think about it. And of course, one of the things we also have to remember is uh, obviously the Bible is not a book that just tells us every single thing everybody always did throughout their entire life. And in, in the, we don't have every single story that the apostles had happen in their life, but it brought me to start studying that, that aspect. Is it possible for us as believers to instruct angels or ask for angelic assistance? And it got me, uh, looking at Matthew 26 and I want you to see it because what takes place is Judas betrays Jesus while Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane praying soldiers come to take Jesus away. You know the story he's betrayed and they're taking, they're getting ready to take Jesus away. Now look, Matthew 26 and, uh, Verse 50, 
I'll start reading with verse 50. Look, Jesus said to him, friend, do what you came to do. Talking about talking to Judas. And then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. Verse 51, and behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand, drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back into its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Now listen to this. This, this is an interesting verse on this topic. Verse 53. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? So what? let's break down what Jesus is saying here. Number one, he's saying, you don't need to protect me, first of all. And it was Peter that pulled out his short sword and struck off Malchus' ear. Jesus healed the ear in another passage. But Jesus is saying to him, first of all, you don't need to protect me. Do you think your little short sword is going to protect me, Bilbo Baggins? Let me tell you something. I could appeal to my father right now, and he would send down 12 legions of angels. So Jesus, at a command, at a request to his father, however you want to look at it, he was one with his father. So whether you want to say, okay, he appealed to the father and the father immediately sent angels, or Jesus commanded those angels to come. The scripture says I could appeal to my father. So whatever it is, however you want to look at that uh, in, in semantics, one thing we can know is Jesus is saying, at my immediate request, the father would send those angels, 12 legions of angels. And so one thing we understand right off the bat is Jesus had the ability to request and receive immediate angelic assistance. You see that Jesus had the ability to request and receive immediate angelic assistance. Now, here's the direction I go with this on this teaching is that I am not, you are not separated from Jesus. We are connected to Jesus. We are one with Christ. We're, we're in union with Christ. We're in him. We are called the body of Christ. He's the head. We're the body, but we're one individual. We are Christ on the earth. He said in John 14, 12, the works that I do, you will do also and greater works than these because I'm going to be with my father in heaven. It was Jesus desire that we could operate in the exact same authority and the exact same power that he operated in without question. If you study his teaching, study what he did, this is the key. He said, the works that I do, you will do also greater works than these because I'm going to be with my father. And this is what he said. He said, uh, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost is come upon you and then you'll be my witnesses. So Christ is not separated from his body. Neither is his body separated from his head. It would be like saying, well, 
you know, my, uh, my head, because my head is Ted, my head has a right to go down to the kitchen, open the refrigerator and take a drink. But my hands don't have a right to take that drink because that's not theirs. The refrigerator's not theirs. That belongs to my head. Well, my head and my body are one. And so what my head has the right to do, my body has the right to do. This home that I live in, that I purchased, let me tell you something. My body's not trespassing if it comes in the home. You can't say, well, this this home belongs to Ted's head and only his head's allowed in the home. The rest of the body has to stay outside. No, because I am one with my body. So if my head has a legal right to be here, then my body has a legal right to be here. Whatever my head can do, my body can do. You see what I'm saying? And so uh, it's the same. You've got to realize that because we are in union with Christ, we are one with him, that whatever is true for him is true for us. He's seated in heavenly places. We're seated in heavenly places. Hallelujah. Catch that. He's seated on a throne. We're seated on a throne. He's blessed with every spiritual blessing. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing. And so if we have the ability, and he said we did in John 16, to ask the Father in his name, and whatever we ask in his name, the Father will give it to us. So ask that you might receive that your joy may be full. We covered that yesterday and and today. Answered prayer brings joy. So Jesus is saying, if we ask the Father for anything in Jesus' name, the Father will give it to us. So if you want to look at it from that direction, whatever Jesus had the right to ask for, we have the right to ask for. I want. I just want to get this out of the way at the beginning so that the rest of this teaching, you can begin to realize you have access to angelic assistance. It's not random. It's not somehow... Uh, a sovereign move of God when he decides to send an angel. No, you have access to angelic assistance because you are united with Christ and that angels are ministering spirits. Oh, hallelujah. Angels are ministering spirits that are sent out to serve on behalf of those who have inherited salvation. That's you and that's me. And so I want you to hear this with me today. If you've inherited salvation, you've gained access to angelic assistance. You have the right to petition, as Jesus had the right, to petition angelic assistance. Amen. And I want you to write it. First thing tonight in the comments, I want you to write it in the comments. I have access to angelic assistance. Put that in the comments right now. I have access to angelic assistance. Very important that we start there. And then I want to break down these these five things for you because I want you to be able to see that you've got access to the angels that God has given you. Hallelujah. I was uh, reading, as you're putting that in the comments, I'll give you something that's interesting. I was reading a study by a man named Hilton Sutton, powerful prophecy teacher. He's in heaven now. He was doing a study on just the angels 
that were flying around the throne of God in Revelation 5 in his day. I don't know if this was in the 70s or the 80s. And it, it talks about how many are there. 10,000 10, times 10,000 plus thousands of thousands, it says. And uh, he went into the original Greek and began to get the numbers and did the math on how many angels were just flying around the throne only. And then in his day, whether it was the 70s or 80s, he, he took the statistics of how many Christians were on the earth in his generation. He divided how many Christians there were by how many angels were just in that one passage, Revelation 5. And he said, you know, we've got this idea like every Christian has a guardian angel. You know, we've been led to believe that, like which is every person has one guardian angel or whatever. He said, do you know how many angels? He said, if we just counted only the angels that are flying around the throne saying worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. If we counted only those angels and divided them out equally to all the believers on the earth, listen to this. He said, every believer on the earth would have access to 50,000 angels each. (laughs) And that's just the ones flying around the throne. That's not all the rest of them. Think about that. Just those angels. He said in his day, that's 50,000 angels each if they were equally distributed to each believer that's on the earth. We, we, I'll tell you one thing. We don't even fully understand the, the level of power. Forget the power. I mean, if we were to set aside the fact that God is for us, If we were to set aside the fact that Jesus is on our side, if we were to set aside the fact that we're filled with the Holy Ghost, if we were to set the greater one lives on the inside of us, if we were to set all of that aside and and recognize God doesn't even have to get off of his throne, that for every believer, there's 50,000 angels ready to fight on your behalf at the drop of a hat. You say, well, you know, how powerful is that really? Well, as I've told you many times before, when this broadcast is, is done, go back and read the story in 2 Kings 19, where, and I tell this often to just give you a taste of how powerful angels are. In, in uh, 2 Kings chapter 19, um, King Hezekiah is being harassed by a dude named King Sennacherib who surrounded Judah with 185,000 troops. They were ready to invade and kill, take their women and children as slaves. And Hezekiah prayed and praised God. And the Bible tells us in the night, God sent down one angel, just one, just one. If you're still in the comments, write that in the comments, just one. (laughs) God sent down just one. And the Bible says he came down in the night and when they all woke up in the morning, they looked out and behold, there were 185,000 corpses on the ground because one angel came down and did serious damage in the camp of the Assyrians. Just one angel and they were all dead. (laughs) That that stirs me up, man. One angel and they were all dead. Isn't that interesting? 
because God's people didn't have to swing a sword. They didn't have to hold up a shield. They didn't have to fire one arrow. They didn't do anything. They went to bed. And when they woke up, one angel had done the damage. So let me just say something. If one angel can easily destroy 185,000 trained killing machines, imagine what 50,000 angels on your behalf can accomplish. Imagine that. Imagine that. One angel. Thank you, Lord Jesus. One angel. And so you have access to angelic assistance. Let me read you Daniel chapter 10 and verse 12. Now see, one of the things that I want you to understand that's different from the book of Daniel to now is that Daniel was living in the Old Testament under an old covenant. He didn't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in him. He didn't have a covenant with Christ. Jesus' blood had not been shed. And so it's different. But let me show you what happened even under an old covenant where he didn't have the Holy Ghost, didn't have the blood of Jesus. And so Daniel chapter 10 and verse 12, the Bible says, then the angel said to me, fear not, Daniel, for for from the first day that you set your mind and heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. And I have come as a consequence of and in response to your words. Do you see that? That's the Amplified Bible. That's the Amplified Bible. So notice why the angel came to Daniel in response to Daniel's words. You see that? That's Daniel 10, 12. In response, he said, your words were immediately heard on the first day and I've come in response to your words and by consequence of your words. But what was the reason that he had to wait? Well, there was a wrestling going on. The prince of Persia, the prince and power of the air was resisting him. Well, let me just tell you something. Jesus has already defeated them and led captivity captive, made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Jesus took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and now you've got your help living on the inside of you, and your, your angels cannot be stopped. But catch this, what I'm talking about. Even in the old covenant here, according to Daniel 10, 12, the angel came in response to Daniel's words. And so you've got a better covenant. You've got more authority. You've got the Holy Ghost. You've got the blood of Jesus. You've got a better covenant. And angels are responding to you. So let me jump in. I've told you how powerful they are. I've told you you've got access to them. I've told you that they are far greater. You know, it's like when when I was growing up uh, in youth group, they would always do human videos, you know, and it was always set to music. And it was always like, uh, there would always be like a kid in the center, uh, of the platform. And he was like battling suicide and depression. And, you know, he's like going back and forth like this. And you know, young people who represent demons with black t-shirts on, they're doing like this around his head, you know, and he's like battling suicidal thoughts. And, uh, then they always have angels come up, you know, because, you know, we always understand only a third of the angels left heaven when Satan rebelled. And so the the common sense thought is, well, there's two angels for every one demon. Uh, forget the fact God's a creator and can create as many angels as he wants to create. But 
you know, then the, the black shirt teens come down the aisle ready to do battle, but there's two angels ready to fight every one demon, you know? And so we get this idea, Nick said, I did a lot of human videos. Uh, we get this idea, you know, like there's just a few angels fighting demons, but in reality, there is a massive army of angelic assistants fighting on your behalf. Uh, and there, and it's nothing close. There's nothing close to the power of God and you have access to this. Now I want to show you these five things because I want you to understand that as we are getting ready to finish out this year, the next six months with violent increase and expedited favor, I don't know about you. I'm taking advantage of every benefit that I have as a Christian. I'm not going to leave anything behind. See, if God afforded us angelic assistance, why would we disregard it? You know, it'd be like, you know, if you're, um, if you're the company that you worked for was willing to just like put money into a retirement account for you, why would you just say, no, I don't want that account. I don't want anything to do with that account. No, you take advantage of it. If they're putting money into it, if they're giving you a benefit, you want it. Same with God. If God is giving me access to angelic assistance, I'm taking advantage of it by the power of the Holy Ghost. I want it. And, and he has, and he is. And so as we're moving into, and you'll see why in a moment when I start going through these, if God has given us access, then let me tell you, as we finish out this year, uh, six more months, it's going to be a year of violent increase and expedited favor, and angels will play a part in what's about to happen. Angels will definitely play a part in what's about to happen. I can promise you that. And I'm going to show this to you. Number one, the first thing I want you to see, five things that angels are doing for you right now. Number one, angels strengthen you in your purpose. Angels strengthen you, refresh you in your purpose. Look at Luke chapter 22, verses 41 through 43. I'm going to read it to you from the NLT. Uh, Jesus walked away about a stone's throw and he knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, or excuse me, this is in the garden of Gethsemane. Yeah. Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened, invigorated, or refreshed Jesus. So notice this. Jesus is praying that God would strengthen him to carry out his purpose of crucifixion. Nobody wants to be crucified. Nobody in their flesh wants to be tortured and killed. But Jesus knew that's what he had to do to purchase redemption for you and for me. And so his flesh didn't want to do it, but his spirit did. It was part of his purpose. And notice this, after he prayed, immediately the Bible says, an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened, invigorated, or refreshed him. Immediately. Angels will strengthen you in the midst of your purpose, not, not to mention the Holy Ghost. Look at, look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, amplified. Uh, this is while Jesus is being tempted in the wilderness by the devil. Look, then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it has been written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him alone shall you serve. Then the devil departed from him and behold, angels came and ministered to, attended, 
waited upon, hosted him. And so understand something. They strengthen you in the midst of your purpose. Angels strengthen you in the midst of your purpose. I've shared this with you before. When I was in Bible school, there was a girl that attended Ramah and she, uh, when she wasn't in class, she was a businesswoman that was going on trips and, um, she published her testimony in the word of faith magazine, but she was flying back into Tulsa international airport on a small private jet with about 12 to 18 passengers. And, uh, the loudspeaker came on the captain said, I'm sorry to let you guys know this. I can't get the landing gear to come down on this plane. She looked out the window. She could see emergency vehicles on the runway already. And the captain told them, uh, we're going to try to land this thing on its belly on the runway but because of the crosswinds, we'll probably bounce and flip up over onto our head and and finish upside down. So there's already emergency vehicles ready to help us when we get down there. And she felt, she literally felt the anointing rise up on the inside of her. So the announcement went out to put your safety belt on and get in the emergency position. She unbuckled her safety belt and stood up in the cabin. And the stewardess came running down telling her, you got to sit down. And she said, where is this landing gear? And the stewardess like was kind of, you know, like it shook her, you know, she's not even thinking emergency, you know, this girl's not even thinking like it's an emergency. She said, well, if I'm not mistaken, it's right under where you're standing. And the girl started laughing. She said, you hear that devil? You're under my feet. And she said, in the name of Jesus, come down. When she said that, she stomped her foot and the power of God hit the plane. She said the plane jerked and the landing gear came right out on the bottom of the plane. They landed the plane on the wheels. She said it was one of the smoothest landings she's ever had. And immediately the power of God protected her from death, protected her from injury and kept her in her purpose. Think about this. Jesus didn't send that girl to Bible school to die in that plane crash. Think about that. She was in Bible school to accomplish the purpose of her life. She was doing what the Lord told her to do. She wasn't going to sit there and be ended in her purpose because of some attack from the enemy. And I don't know. Obviously, she didn't say, I saw angels. She didn't say there were any angels she could see. But let me tell you, God's helping us. The Bible says that many times we are entertaining angels unaware. I don't know how it happened, but she was in the midst of her purpose. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And because she was in the midst of her purpose, she prayed with authority. That plane shook and what the pilot could not get to take take place by the controls in the cockpit, something hit that plane, the power of God and the, the landing gear came down in the midst of her purpose. Remember this, and I've been teaching this this week, and it's important to recount it. If you're in your purpose, if you're in the midst of what God instructed you to do, catch this, angels are watching over you. Angels are watching over you. Let me me tell you something. I would never want to be outside of God's instruction and start doing crazy stuff. I would never want to do it. I would never want to do it. You know, I can, I can only imagine, um, you know, going into, and I, I understand we have divine protection, but if God doesn't tell you to do something, let it go undone. Think about that. If God doesn't tell you to do something, let it go undone. And I know that's a controversial thought for some, 
But if I'm not anointed to do something, I'm not going to just try to run out and start doing it if the Lord never spoke to me to do it. Because if I'm not doing what he's told me to do, then I forfeit my protection because I'm outside of my purpose. I don't want to forfeit my protection because I'm outside of my purpose. That's a, that's a huge lesson to learn, and I hope you catch that. I don't want to forfeit my protection because I'm outside of my purpose. And this girl was right in the middle of her purpose. She was doing what the Lord told her to do, and she was divinely protected by the power of God. Number two, angels carry out God's pleasure on the earth. Whew. Number one, they strengthen you in your purpose. Number two, they carry out God's pleasure. Well, let's look at this. What does it say? Psalm 103, verses 20 and 21. Listen to this. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans, listening for each of his commands. Yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels who serve him and do his pleasure. That's the King James, who do his pleasure. Psalm 103, verses 20 and 21. So angels carry out his plans. They're listening for his commands. And they do his will or his pleasure. Think about that. So when God has a plan for your life and over your life, angels, according to scripture, are carrying out those plans. You know, God doesn't have to get out of his, off of his throne and go do it himself. His word is enough. And his angels carry out his word. Oh, hallelujah. Whoo, glory to God. His angels carry out his word. Well, what is his pleasure? I can show you one thing that the Bible says he takes pleasure in. Psalm 35, 27, Amplified. Let those who favor my righteous cause and have pleasure in my uprightness shout for joy and be glad and say continually, let the Lord be magnified who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Psalm 35, 27. The Lord takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. So if angels are carrying out his pleasure, his will, one of the things he takes pleasure in is prospering his servants, which means angels take part in transporting your blessing to you. Ooh, glory to God. According to scripture, I'm breaking this down straight from scripture tonight. If they do his pleasure, they do his will. One of the things he takes pleasure in, the prosperity of his servants. So angels play a part in transporting the blessing of God to you wherever you are. Amen. Wherever you are. Hallelujah. My father shared this uh, story a couple of nights ago when he was in Logan, West Virginia. My uncle Tiff was overseas uh, preaching as a missionary evangelist. And I believe he was in Germany and he was with some American missionaries that had not been home, uh, I think in a long period of time. And uh, he said, you know what? They've been giving their lives. They've been working hard. I want to bless them on this last day of the trip. And so I'm going to take them to an extremely nice restaurant. And so they go in, you know, they couldn't afford to eat there, but my uncle wanted to be a blessing to them. He went in and, uh, they ordered it, you know, had steaks. I mean, it was, they had a great dinner. And uh, when it was time for the bill to come, 
he reached in and realized he didn't have his wallet anywhere. Well, the missionaries wouldn't have had any money to buy that dinner. He doesn't even have a wallet. He promised them a dinner. He's, he's freaking out. So he excused himself from the table and goes outside and begins to pray. And he's praying, God provide. I, you know, I told these missionaries I'd bless them and all. And he's praying. As he's praying, the wind blows. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. The wind blows. And he feels like a rustling against his shoe, like a leaf, like leaves would rustle against you in the fall if the wind blew. And he looked down, picked it up, and there was a pile of Deutsche Marks back before everybody was using the Euro. Picked it up. Didn't even know what the exchange rate was, but it was a stack of money, a pile of money. He took it back inside. <laughs> Bill came. He gave them some. He said, will this be enough? It was far more than enough. Tipped the waitress very well. Far more than enough. Even in the midst. What do angels do? What can they do? They do God's pleasure. And he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Miracles take place. Miracles take place. And who does the bidding of the Lord? Who are the ones who are servants of those who have inherited salvation? Angels are. Angels are. And so it doesn't matter how God needs to make it happen. He can make it happen. There's nothing that can happen to you that God doesn't have a solution for. Not one thing. And angels are carrying out God's pleasure on the earth without question. Without question. Number three, I want you to write it down. Angels, number three, destroy the enemies of God. Angels destroy the enemies of God. I hope you're writing these these verses down, these references, because I know I'm going relatively quickly. Isaiah 37, 36. Listen to this. This is Isaiah 37, 36. That night, the angel of the Lord went out, and of course, I'm, I'm recounting the story that was told in 2 Kings 19, but here it's being retold in Isaiah 37. That night, the angel of the Lord went out to the Assyrian camp and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. When the surviving Assyrians woke up the next morning, they found corpses everywhere. You know one thing? The first two points were, Jessica, number one, angels strengthen you in your purpose. Number two, angels carry out God's pleasure or his will on the earth. Number three, angels will destroy the enemies of God. One of the things that it's a really extremely interesting study, if you've ever done it, even if you want to sit down and Google it for a little while, look up the Israeli six-day war. If you've ever looked at any of that, crazy, crazy stuff took place during the six-day war. And there were many Israeli troops and soldiers that swore that they had angelic assistance. Some of them even said they saw angels on the battlefield. I mean, there was stuff happening that was so insane that you couldn't explain it away. I mean, the chances of it happening was miracles. It was just straight up miracles. Sandstorm blowing. Literally, enemy troops coming within a few hundred yards of where the Israeli troops were to take them captive 
and all of a sudden a sandstorm blows and they're, they're lost in the sandstorm, can't see the Israeli troops. They have one story where they fired a mortar. They fired like a, a small missile. It flew into the Israeli camp, landed inside of a weapons cache and didn't explode. I mean, if that thing would have exploded, it would have destroyed everything and everybody in that, in that camp. The thing launched from their enemies, came, landed in a pile of weapons cache. I'm talking about explosives, missiles, and nothing detonated. Not even what the enemy launched in. You should take some time. Nick's saying he's read some military accounts of it. You should do it right now. After this broadcast, it's just exciting to see it. Some of the people say they saw big, massive angel figures on the battlefield that were destroying tanks and all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's insane. It's insane. God protects his people and God, let me tell you something, he'll destroy the enemies that stand against you. Let me tell you, God hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. He still told Abraham, I'll bless those that bless you and I will curse those that curse you. It's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing for people to come against the people of God because God doesn't put up with it. I'll curse those that curse you. It's what he said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. I will personally, yeah, that was another thing Nick said, Nick Greenwald saying uh, during the six day war, enemy fighter jets were exploding in midair. Think about it. Enemy fighter jets exploding in midair without being shot down just exploding. God was fighting their battle for them as he always has done and as he will continue to do. I mean, it's, it's wild. It's wild. God sends his angels to destroy his enemies. And it's a bad thing to be an enemy of God. Let me just tell you that. It's a dangerous thing to be an enemy of God. And angels are fighters. They're warriors. Do you know, when I was growing up, especially during Christmas time, you know, because all we, um, all we used was the uh, King James version of the Bible. And so, especially during Christmas time, you hear this phrase uttered a lot as they're being, as it's being read, the King James, uh, the Lord of hosts, Lord of hosts, Lord of hosts, Lord of hosts. And I, I never knew. I was like, man, what does that even mean? You know, like what is, as a kid, I was like, what, uh, what's the Lord of hosts mean? You know, I know I'd been to like Applebee's and saw there was a hostess and, you know, I thought maybe he's the host above every host. You know, I didn't know what it meant. And then later on in life, my, my cousin gave me, as I was his best man in his wedding, my cousin, Jonathan gave me my very first new living translation of the Bible. I started reading through some of those same passages. You know what it means? It means that he's the Lord of heaven's armies. He's the Lord of heaven's armies. He's the commander of heaven's armies. I want you to understand something. Angels are not little naked babies with wings (laughs) flying around with rosy cheeks in heaven. If you think that angels, let me just say something real quick based on scripture. If you have somehow been made to believe that angels are just 
Little naked babies <laughs> with fluffy little wings flying around in heaven. Angels are straight up supernatural warriors. They are supernatural warriors. Can I tell you something? Angels, when you see one, you know, everybody wants to see angels. Let me tell you, you don't want to see one. <laughs> you don't want to see one. There's a reason why every single time an angel shows up in the Bible, the first thing they say is, don't be afraid. <laughs> Fear not. Do you know why angels, every time they appear in scripture, say, don't be afraid? Because they look scary. Because they're bad dudes. They're warriors. They're terrifying. You don't want to see an angel. I mean, they're not against you. They're for you. But there's a reason. Even for the people they were for in the Bible, they said, fear not, fear not, fear not. The reason they had to say that is they look intimidating. They look scary. They are warriors from heaven, not naked, chubby babies. (laughs) Not naked, chubby babies. Warriors. They wield swords. Flaming swords, flaming shields, fiery. I mean, they're fiery. You read the account of 2 Kings 6 when the the king of Assyria tried to uh, surround Elisha in Dothan. And he said, there's more with us than there are with them. Open his eyes, the Lord. And when Gehazi's eyes were open, he looked and saw that the hills were filled not with the sound of music, with flaming angelic armies. They're warriors. They are warriors. And they'll scare the pee-pee out of the enemies of God. You don't want to mess with one angel. And the Bible says they're sent to destroy the enemies of God. Anything that sets itself against you, as an enemy is going to catch the backhand of an angel in the mouth. You hear what I'm saying? Anything that stands against you as an enemy of your soul is going to catch the backhand of an angel's knuckle in the mouth. So that seems awfully violent, brother Ted. That's pretty violent, brother Ted. Let me read you something that David prayed. Look at this. David prayed this. If you think I'm just being extra violent for effect, let me show you how David understood the power of God and how the, how David, King David prayed. Look at this. Psalm 3. Psalm 3. I'll start with verse 1 and 2 and then I'll go down to 7. Oh Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Selah. Now go down with me to verse seven. Now let's read verse six first. I'll not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Look at verse seven now. Arise, O Lord. Save me, O my God, 
for you will strike all my enemies on the cheek. You will break the teeth of the wicked. Oh, hallelujah. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Look how David prayed. Break the teeth of the wicked. Strike my enemies on the cheekbone, O God. So I'm not making this stuff up. See, God doesn't have to come off of his throne. You've seen how God operates. He'll send an angel to take care of his light work. You hear what I'm saying? And an angel comes down and starts smacking people around till they're not people anymore. It's a dangerous thing to stand against the people of God because there are angels that are fighting against God's enemies. Whoo! And Nick said, angels are the Spetsnaz, Mossad agents, Navy SEAL commandos, all wrapped up in a heavenly body. I'm telling you, and angels are fighting. They are fighters. They are warriors fighting on behalf of God's people. Thank you, Jesus. And so number four, not only are they destroying God's enemies, they're protecting you. Hallelujah. They're protecting you. That's number four. Angels are protecting you. Let me show you this now. Psalm 91, verse 11. He will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. Look at Psalm 34 and verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he rescues them. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The angel of the Lord encamps around those that fear him and rescues them. Angels are camping around me. They're encamping around me. Now, let me ask you a question. Just because I know angels are encamping around me, let me, let me just ask you a question for a second. And I want you to answer this because it's not rhetorical. Just because I, I know and you know that angels are encamping round about you, does that mean that I'm going to go jump off a skyscraper? Am I going to do that? Well, angels are protecting me, brother. Does that mean I'm going to go jump off a skyscraper? No, I'm not an idiot. I'm not an idiot. And so during this time of COVID-19 and when the pandemic was on and when those of us that have a brain were, were praying according to Psalm 91 and saying, thank you, Lord, for divine protection, there were geniuses that got online and said, well, do you know? The devil quoted Psalm 91 to Jesus in the wilderness and said, dive off of this cliff. You know, the word says that the angels will protect you, won't let you dash your foot against a stone. And so you got dummies out there saying, well, if the devil quoted it to Jesus and he didn't do what the devil said, then we should wear masks. And it's like, it doesn't even make freaking sense. I'm not going to jump off a skyscraper knowing angels are protecting me. Jesus wasn't going to do it either because you don't do stupid stuff. But at the same time, we just live our lives by faith. And if there's something that tries to attack us, protection is there. It doesn't mean that I'm going to go destroy myself on purpose. It means that I'm going to carry on by faith as I always have. I have a covenant 
against sickness and disease. See, there's a difference. There's a difference between trying to throw yourself off of a building or a cliff and living your life as normal, believing God to protect you from sickness and disease, virus and bacteria. I mean, like, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm so blown away by how people are so foolish with this stuff. It's not the same thing. Thank you, Melissa Lopez. It's not the same thing. It's different. People writing articles. Well, you know, Jesus did not take make use of that verse of scripture when the devil tempted him. It's because it's not the same thing. <laughs> not the same thing at all. And so there's a difference between me trying to cause harm to myself and me having faith in the covenant. You realize the covenant that Jesus made for us outside of salvation, it was not for us to fling ourselves off of high places and just land softly at the bottom of 72 stories. He specifically made a healing covenant. You do realize that. I mean, I don't understand that some people that are actually supposed to be intelligent don't get that. He specifically made a healing covenant, not a jump off of a a skyscraper covenant. It's a healing covenant. And he's the one that said, I'll not allow any of these diseases to come upon you. I'm the Lord that heals you. That was Old Testament. That was in Exodus. That's when he revealed himself as Jehovah Rapha. I'm the Lord that heals you. New covenant's even better. Jesus shed his blood, took stripes upon his back. Peter said, by whose stripes you were healed. I can actually stand up in faith and go about my day not asking God, oh God, today, today's the day I'm going to die. No, I'm not going to die today. No, I'm not getting sick today. No, I'm not catching that today. I receive it by faith. I walk in divine healing in Jesus' mighty name. It just blows my mind that people have no understanding. It's like no understanding. But angels are divinely protecting you. I remember there was a a man that my, my grandfather used to preach for who at one time was a missionary. And when he was a missionary, he was in a nation where they were hostile towards the gospel. And he was in his compound uh, in that area where he was preaching that town, that city where he was. And they were holding an all-night prayer meeting. The next day, the very next day, men from the town that he knew were like kind of like revolutionaries. They wanted him dead. They wanted him out. They were coming up to his compound, the whole group of men that were from a completely different religion. And when they came up to the compound, they knocked on the door and he came to the door. They, they were saying with tears in their eyes, we want to serve the God you serve. And he was blown away by that. He was like, well, why the sudden change? You know, that's what he was asking. He said, what, why the sudden change? You didn't believe in any of this before. You know, you wanted me out of here. You didn't want to hear me preach the gospel. Now you want to come and serve the God that I serve? What changed your heart? You know what they told him? They said, last night, we were fed up with you. We were done with you. And so we got all the weapons we could find. We had machetes. We had clubs. We had anything we could get. And we came up here to your compound to kill you and to kill all of the missionaries with you. And he said, when we came up the hill to the entrance of your compound, there were two massive men standing at the gates of your compound 
holding swords that were on fire. They said, when we saw that, we threw our weapons down and ran back to where we came from and knew your God is more powerful than our God. And we want to serve the God that you serve. These missionaries, they didn't even know it. They didn't even know it. They were there and they were praying and angels were watching over them. Angels were watching over them. Amen. Karen asks a very good question. Karen Neary said, why are not all Christians protected but persecution and death? Jesus prophesied that there would be persecution for serving him. He absolutely prophesied it. There have been many people that have been martyred, including the apostles of the Lamb, martyred for uh, preaching Jesus. And there are still today people being martyred for their faith. It's something Jesus prophesied. Now, not everybody that has um, been attacked has been killed. Some have been, like I'm telling you, have been protected. Um, Karen asks, why is that the case? Jocelyn said, wow, I saw what you described in a dream that I had. Uh, the question is, why is that not the case? Well, I believe that in some, in some cases, not all, in some cases, it is a matter of them having faith to be protected from persecution. I know Bishop Oyedepo and Pastor Adeboye talk like that. You know, that there's no witch that's going to kill me. There's no witch that's going to sacrifice me. There's no witch that's going to take me out. It's not happening. And so as much as there are those stories about witches doing human sacrifice and all that and abducting people, they're standing by their own faith and declaring it will not happen in Jesus' name. Um, what, but at the same time, there are, you know, Muslims and Muslim radicals killing Christians in Nigeria and around the world. Uh, so it is still happening. The other thing that that I believe is part of the case is uh, that they have a purpose to fulfill. Those that are protected, they may have a purpose to fulfill that they've not yet fulfilled. The example would be uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul. If you read the story of a, the Apostle Paul, the Bible says he made up his mind to go to Jerusalem. But on his way to Jerusalem, the prophet Agabus stopped him and took out his belt and tied his hands up with his own belt and said, the man who owns this belt will be uh, basically restrained and captured uh, if you go to Jerusalem. So he got a warning from God that he should not yet go to Jerusalem or that if he, if he did, he'd be captured, which he was, then transported to Rome, then preached under house arrest until he was killed. So God gave him a warning through Agabus. I believe Paul had a choice. The warning came so that he could choose, well, I could do other things and, and do more before I finish my race, or I can go to Jerusalem now and finish my race and be done. And I believe Paul felt like, and of course we have a letter to Timothy that he wrote where he said, I have run my race. I've finished my course. So Paul felt in his spirit that he had finished his course. So sometimes I believe that, um, People have a purpose they can fulfill and God, they can have faith. God will keep them alive to complete their purpose before uh, they die and are martyred for their faith. David O'Brien on YouTube believes that I'm a liar. I don't understand uh, 
why he would say that and spell liar wrong. Usually, if I'm called a liar, it's by somebody intelligent enough to spell the word liar. I usually don't I usually don't take correction from people who can't spell four-letter words. But thank you, David O'Brien, for taking time out from spending time playing videos in your mom's basement to jump on your mom's YouTube account and comment on this broadcast. Appreciate you. Um, But anyway, you have to understand, people do have a purpose. And I believe you can have faith that God will protect you, although there is persecution. And the Bible says Jesus prophesied there would be. But notice this, although Jesus said there would be persecution, he didn't say that all persecution would end in death. Remember that. Paul was beaten, stoned, you know, all those things, left for dead, shipwrecked. But Jesus said there'd be persecution, but he did not say that all persecution would end in death. I want you to be very clear about that. God can protect you from death. I'm turning the trolls on the trolls. It's part of my gifting. Let me give you number five. Number five, the fifth thing angels are doing for you right now, they will deliver you and are delivering you. I've got a phenomenal testimony that took place to two of our partners of this ministry. It so blessed me. I was actually, we were holding a revival um, <laughs> Zachary Weber put in put in the actual definition of liar L I E R on YouTube. It says liar. A liar is defined as someone who rests or reclines. An example of a liar is a dog who is often sleepy. <laughs> A liar, someone who lies down. Thanks, Zach. Appreciate that. A liar, someone who lies down. (laughs) Angels are delivering you. I got to stay on target or I'll lose this whole thing. (laughs) Angels are delivering you. Of course, you know this. Think about Acts chapter 12. Let me take it to you there. The night before Peter was supposed to be placed on trial, the Bible says he was locked up. They didn't want him. (laughs) Oh, man. You just can't make this stuff up, man. Thank God. I can't tell you how happy I am for, like, for trolls. I love trolls so much. Not the movie, the actual people on the internet. It's like my favorite thing ever, which is why I emulate trolls sometimes in my own social media accounts because it's so amusing to me. It's so fun. But I love to troll trolls. It's the best thing ever. God has given me a supernatural anointing to attract them and then mock them. It's a wonderful thing. Um... (laughs) (laughs) A liar. (laughs) Oh, man. Peter is captured. They're planning to kill Peter. (laughs) Oh, Lord. 
<laughs> and it's the night. Now think about this. Can I break, can I break in for a second on the thought of protection and, and deliverance to, to give you a thought on this? How interesting is it to you? <laughs> How interesting is it to you that on the night before Peter's probably going to be killed, You'd think you'd be like up all night praying, like, God, deliver me. God, deliver me. God, deliver me. Father God, I come to you right now. Father God, we thank you, Father God, for deliverance, Father God. I mean, you'd, you'd think people were like in speed tongues, like they were porky pig. And notice where Peter is. They've got two guards on either side of him, and Peter's in between them, and Peter's asleep. He's a liar. <laughs> L-I-E-R. He's lying next to these two guards out cold. Peter is out cold. It's crazy to me. On the night before you're probably going to be executed, you talk about peace that passes all understanding. That's serious peace. To be able to just go to sleep. Like I'm about to die, but at the same time, I'm sleepy right now. I'm going to go to sleep. And Peter just goes to sleep and is like done. And the thing that makes me laugh about this story is that the angel of the Lord shows up <laughs> and can't just talk to him. The Bible says, and the angel struck him <laughs> on the side to wake him up. Peter was sleeping so hard that an angel had to strike him on his side to wake him up. So the angel struck him on the side to wake him and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists and the angel told him, get dressed Put on your sandals. And he did. He said, now put on your coat and follow me. They left the cell following the angel. But all the time he thought it was a vision. And he didn't realize it was actually happening. And they passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate that leads to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. And they passed through and started walking down the street. And then the angel suddenly left him once he was free of the prison and back in the city. Literally asleep, angel wakes him up, takes him out, frees him from prison, puts him back into the city. Deliverance, supernatural deliverance. I was preaching a meeting in North Carolina and um, we got a message that a couple in the church was in an extremely bad car crash, like really, really bad car crash. And uh, we were praying, we were all praying for him. I mean, we were all praying for him. It was like so bad that when the police and paramedics showed up, they were looking for corpses. They were looking for dead bodies. I mean, very, very bad. And uh, both of them, although hurt, should have been killed. Should have been killed. And when they got there, they were both over laying on the side of the road by the car. They didn't get thrown from the car. They came out of the car and were over on the side of the road. And when the cop was doing the whole setup of people that were on the scene, other car, who all was there, who saw it happen, he was able to reconstruct everything about the crash and all the people that saw it and those that were there and those that stopped, except for, this is so interesting to me, except for somebody that showed up, that people testified to but couldn't quite talk about or say where he went, a dude just showed up out of nowhere, as if from nowhere, 
and pulled them both out of their car, laid them on the side of the road, and then was nowhere to be found. Now, that right there is is wild. People were like, yeah, they got pulled out of their car. Guy, I don't know. I don't even know who he is. Don't know where he is. Don't know where he went. Didn't drive up. Didn't drive off. Who is the guy? Somebody showed up. They had a whole church family of people praying for him. Somebody showed up, pulled them from their vehicle. You start to realize when the Bible says that we are entertaining angels unawares sometimes, helping you. You know, I'm convinced of now, I'm, this. Now, if you think I'm a nut job because of this, you know, call me a nut job. But by the way, both of them healed by the power of God. I went back to that church this last year. I was close by, went to Planet Fitness to the gym. She comes out of the locker. She's getting ready to go to work. I'm getting ready to come out and work out. There she is running on the treadmill. Totally healed, back to normal, power of God. Now, if you think I'm crazy for telling this story, I'm going to share it with you. And I'm going to tell you what I believe. And if, if you believe me, you believe me. If you think I'm a nut job, you think I'm a nut job. But let me be the first to tell you I'm not a nut job. But I also realize that's what all nut jobs say. So with that being said, I was um, in Bible school. I was like 19 years old. Uh, and I worked an overnight job from 1130 at night till like eight in the morning, then went straight to school. And, uh, that was a fun job. I was at a call center answering calls for like nationwide, uh, television ministers that were on TV that used the call center to take calls for their TV program. And I got the overnight shift. Let me tell you, I got some crazy people that called me. I had a guy one time call me and you know, when you work the overnight shift at a call center, you might get like 16 calls in an entire eight hour shift and absolutely Casey. And uh, this guy called me up and he's like, the Lord brother gave me this poem for this generation. And he like went to town. He like read me this poem, but I was so bored. I like wrote every word of his poem down in my notebook. And then when he was done, I was like, brother, I got something to tell you. I believe I'm supposed to put this poem to music and make it a song. He was like, you gotta be kidding me. I was like, I'm going to sing it to you right now. He was like, are you serious? I was like, yes. And I already had his whole poem written down because I was so bored. And I just like launched into singing just some random tune to his poem that he, that he told me on the phone. And it didn't make any sense, by the way. I sang the whole thing back to him. And when I was done, he was like in tears. And he's like, brother, I'm giving you the rights to that. Take it to the nations. That's what he told me. He told me to take it to the nations. I wish I'd have kept it. Anyway, I'm, I'm going there one night. And I made the stupid, that was a side story. That wasn't the actual story. I made the stupid mistake of being 19 and thinking my body was indestructible. I stayed up for like 27 hours. I was I had friends come in town from out of town. I, I hung with them, went to school, hung out with them all day, didn't sleep, whatever. And um, I was on my way to an eight-hour shift having been up for 27 hours, no sleep. And so my own stupidity, I'm driving down the main drag of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and it's like 11, 15 at night. 
got the air going. It feels good. All of a sudden, like four lane highway, I just drop off asleep, just like drop off asleep driving. Didn't even have a seat belt on. Now, before I tell you the rest of this, I don't, I'm not a statistician, but I can tell you right now, the odds, the odds that what happened could actually happen like on its own has to be like one in a trillion. Like when I tell you the odds have to be like one in a trillion. I fell asleep. I was just so tired. You I fell asleep. So I'm driving. I fall asleep. I realize what happened afterwards. I fell asleep and drug my car with the steering wheel through two lanes of oncoming traffic. That's the first thing. Two lanes of oncoming traffic on the busiest strip in Tulsa, 71st Street, which goes from Broken Arrow all the way to Tulsa. Every restaurant, the mall, everything's on that main drag. I go through two lanes of oncoming traffic, didn't hit one vehicle. That's the first thing. Somehow, didn't hit a barrier, didn't anything else. My car actually went into the entrance of a restaurant parking lot at like what? 60 miles an hour, probably right into the entrance of a restaurant parking lot. I didn't hit one pedestrian. I didn't hit one parked car. I didn't hit the building. I didn't hit a telephone pole. I pull, I drive through the restaurant parking lot. The only thing that woke me up is I hit that cement parking thing at the end of a parking space. My car went over the top of that and I'm like, no, no seatbelt. My head hit the roof. I woke up. I'm going through uh, the grassy part past. It's like city property. I pulled up a, a metal grate up. My car pulled it up out of the ground, bent it in half underneath the car. I end up in the middle of a warehouse parking lot with nothing around me at a dead stop. No seatbelt, didn't hit one thing. Now, think what you want to think. My opinion of that is that somehow angels guided my car perfectly through oncoming traffic, through a restaurant parking lot, around any building, any structure, any wall, any telephone pole, any parked car took me right to a space or spaces where there was no cars parked, but I could still go over the bumps. I mean, I want you to think about it. I didn't do it. I was asleep. Angels. Then I talked to my dad earlier uh, or or later after the thing, I called him up right after I I, I had the whole thing happen. I was like shook. Uh, it didn't even hurt. I had no scratches on my body. I had nothing. I had no bruises, no bumps, no nothing. Airbags didn't even deploy. Literally, airbags didn't deploy. Called my dad. Didn't hurt. And I said, Dad, I just got in this, you know, wreck or whatever. I mean, it was hard to even call it a wreck. I didn't wreck into anything. And he said, that's wild. He said, today, earlier this afternoon, this is what my dad told me after I called him. He said, earlier this afternoon, I was praying and I had a vision of you getting in a car crash. And he said, I began to pray. And he said, I prayed until I felt a release in my spirit. 
I felt a release. I felt the peace of God come over my spirit. He said, I I knew everything was going to be all right. Now see, the Lord gave him a warning ahead of time. And he began to pray. Notice what I read to you at the very beginning of this broadcast that God, the angel of the Lord said to Daniel, this is what the angel of the Lord said to Daniel in Daniel 10, 12. Sister Sherry, who works with my father, said, I remember him telling us that at the office. Look at that. She remembers that testimony from all that was probably now 20 years ago. And he told, the, told them the, the testimony. Listen to this. The angel said to Daniel, the first day you set your mind and heart to understand, your words were heard. And I've come as a consequence of your words. Our prayers, our words can bring angelic assistance, help, power into our lives, our families, our purpose, our ministry, our business, our children. Just like my father prayed for me, just like you're doing for your children, your family and angels are watching out for us. Literally, if you think about it logically, think about it logically. I should be dead tonight. I shouldn't even be on here doing a live stream with you. I should be in heaven tonight. But because of prayer and because of angelic assistance, I'm sitting here preaching the gospel, traveling around the world, preaching the gospel, seeing people come to Jesus here with my wife and my children. God preserved my life through what I believe, not just prayer, but prayer that provoked angelic assistance. The same is true for you. I want you to, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this with me. God's going to do the same for you. God's going to do the same for you. What it is you're believing for, what it is you're setting your faith for in these final six months of 2020. Our desire is that God's going to show himself strong and mighty on our behalf. KC, let me read you a verse of scripture. He's asking the question, I'm assuming KC's a he, asking a question, why are some of us not heard? And I'm assuming he means in prayer. Let me read to you 1 Peter chapter 3. And verse 12, the Bible says, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. It's a female. KC, I'm I'm giving you this verse. Listen to it very carefully. The eyes of the Lord, 1 Peter 3, 12, are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. So I want to encourage you tonight, Casey. He is hearing your prayers. God is hearing your prayers. The only prayers God doesn't hear are those of the wicked. Listen to the rest of the verse. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And so let me encourage you tonight, Casey, and we're going to pray for you as well. God does hear your prayers. He is hearing them. His ears are not closed to your prayers. He hears you. And he answers you when you call. I'm encouraging you to have faith and believe that every cancer cell, if that's what you're telling me, you're battling cancer in your body. I want you to believe God with me and with those of us here in the what we call the victory tribe, 
because we're all part of the tribe of Judah. We all came through Jesus, and he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's the tribe of victory. We're going to join our faith with you and pray for you tonight that God would not only heal you, but you would have a supernatural testimony to tell that although you may have been diagnosed with cancer, that you will have a clean diagnosis. You'll be healed. We're going to pray that every cancer cell would be destroyed, that every, if there's tumors in your body, every tumor will dissolve and pass from your body, that the anointing of God would come upon you and that you would be supernaturally healed and the glory would go to God in Jesus' name. And so I want everybody, look at that Jennifer Albrecht giving her testimony to stir your faith, Casey, on Facebook. She said, in agreement, my husband was healed of cancer. Glory to God. And so we're going to pray with you right now, Casey, and we're going to pray for everybody that's watching and listening. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you for every person you've sent to us on this broadcast on Periscope, Facebook, YouTube, listening on the podcast around the world. I'm asking you now to touch your people tonight for every person that's been attacked in their body, attacked in their mind, attacked in their family, relationships. I take authority over every wicked attack of the devil that's been launched against God's people. I pray right now, Lord, that you would touch your precious people, heal them of sickness, heal them of disease. Lord, if they're battling depression or anxiety attacks or panic attacks or uh, suicidal thoughts, set them free tonight, Lord. Let them be filled with joy unspeakable, full of glory, a peace that passes all understanding. You spirit of heaviness that's tried to come against this whole generation, I command you to loose your grip tonight in Jesus' name. Be free. Every wicked thing that's trying to destroy families and the family unit and the home, trying to separate husbands and wives, fathers and mothers from their children, I rebuke you, you murderous force, in Jesus' name. I speak peace into every relationship. Let this be the year that we receive household salvation. Our children will serve the Lord. Our mothers, our fathers, our sisters and brothers, our husbands and wives will come into the kingdom in 2020 in Jesus' wonderful name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for touching your people. Now, I pray specifically for KC. I curse the spirit of cancer in Jesus' name. I bind it, as Oral Roberts taught us to do. We command it to go into the deep, never come back again. In Jesus' name, every cell must die. Every tumor must pass from her body. Be healed of cancer. That spirit of infirmity that tries to kill you, I rebuke it tonight. Be healed in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord. You will get all the glory for this. You'll get all the praise. No man can do it. Only your mighty Holy Spirit can do these things. In Jesus' wonderful name, we thank you. We give you glory. We give you praise. And if you guys believe that tonight, throw some fire in the comments section and let me know you believe that prayer and you're standing with me by faith. This is our season of increase in favor. I keep getting testimonies that come in, man. I'm gonna keep on reading them. I'm going to keep on giving them to you guys so your faith is built. People keep telling me, miracles of healing. I keep getting texts, miracles of healing. I've been reading them every morning. Promotion at their job, raises and bonuses. I keep getting, uh, well, how about that one this morning, man? That one this morning almost made me cry. It was so powerful. 
that they said the power of God hit their children's church on Sunday this last week as they were praying and fasting. Three children, ages six, and probably the other two were about that same age. The Holy Ghost touched them. They fell out in, under the power of God in children's church and started praying in tongues. I mean, God's touching our generation, man. God's touching our generation. Listen to me. Maybe you're watching me right now. Maybe you're watching the replay of this on archive. Maybe you're listening to me on the podcast and you're not ready to see Jesus. If he came back tonight, you wouldn't be ready to see him. Let me encourage you strongly that if you're not ready to see Jesus when he comes, if your life is not ready, there's sin in your life and you need to be forgiven of sin and need to know there's nothing standing between you and a holy God. I want to lead you in a prayer on this broadcast or this podcast if you're listening. And if you are if you know you need salvation and forgiveness, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And the Bible says, as you do, your life is made new. So if you're watching this or listening and you know you need to pray this prayer, repeat this with me. Say, Father, I thank you for sending your son to die for me. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin and make me new. I confess that Jesus is Lord and I believe you raised him from the dead and that you said if I would do that, I would be saved. So from right now, I declare I'm a new person. My old life is gone and a new life has begun. Give me the power to serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Listen to me. If you prayed that prayer with me just now, here's what I want you to do. Very specific step I want you to take. Go to miracleword.com. On the website, whether you're on your phone, tablet, or laptop, there's a button in the menu that says, I just got saved. Click that button. And there's something that I want you to get. There's a video, a short video I want you to watch. I want to send you a gift. I want you to be set up to do great things for God. I don't want you to just be literally like pray a prayer and then you go back to the same way you were. I want you to take next steps with me to become a strong believer and be matured and equipped to do what God's called you to do. I want to help you be able to do that. And we have all kinds of resources for you, free. Let me tell you, we have tons of videos for free on YouTube, just like this one. I have a free app in the App Store and the Google Play Store. If you'll just search Miracle Word in the App Store or the Google Play Store, that in the app, there's a 24-7 digital radio station that plays preaching and teaching nonstop, won't cost you a dime. We have something called Miracle Word University. You can find it at miraclewordu.com, where we actually do classes, like Bible school classes to teach you about the Word of God and the power of God. We want to help you to take next steps. I want to help you connect with a church wherever you live, help you find a church that will help you grow and mature in the things of God. We love you. We want you to know we appreciate you. We, we want to see you excel and exceed any expectation you ever had for your life, but see what God has planned for your life. It's going to be great. It's going to blow your mind. You're going to look back in just six short months and be blown away by how much God did in a short period of time. That's how quick the Lord can work in your life, and I believe it. So do that one thing. Go to miracleword.com and click that button that says, I just got saved, and let me help you take next steps. God's going to help you too. I mean, the Holy Spirit's on your side. 
He's your strength. Best days are ahead. Don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. God's going to help you from here on out. Those of you that are watching that are believing God to touch this generation, we're going to give you an opportunity to sow a seed. If the Holy Spirit's leading you to do that, take a step of faith. People have already been doing it tonight. Thank you, Zach, for sowing that seed of $1,000 tonight. Appreciate you and love you very much. Thank you to everybody that's partnering with us on a monthly basis. We love you. Whatever it is the Holy Spirit tells you to do, do it by faith and watch as God blesses you. You know what's exciting to me? This is a debt-free ministry. It always will be. There's no pressure. There's no manipulation. I just want you to hear what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. Step out by faith and do it and watch what God will do in your life. He'll bless you. And the, the awesome thing about it is not only does God bless you, but you get to be a blessing to others because of your faithfulness and giving. So there's a bunch of ways to do it. You can use hashtag donate in the comments if you're on Facebook, Periscope, or Twitter. You can use Cash App, PayPal, Venmo. Uh, the easiest way is to go to miracleword.com. You can even set up an account, give monthly, weekly, however you'd like to do it. And I know God will bless you. Every person that's standing with us in partnership this month, I have something I want to send you as a gift. And it's this awesome book by Dr. John Evanzini called Rich God, Poor God. And uh, I believe that's a play off the title of Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But this will change your perception of Jesus Christ. He was not cursed. He was blessed. And uh, for everybody that's partnering with us this month at $85 or more, we're sending you this book as a blessing and a gift to say thank you for standing with us. And then, of course, everybody that's sewing $1,000 or more, we're also going to send you um, a genuine leather life application study Bible and our brand new book that just came out in hardcover edition, Further Faster. It'll bless you, man. I'm telling you. If you'd like to receive that gift, you need to do me a favor. Go to miracleword.com. Right on the homepage, you'll see the picture of that book. Takes you to an offer. You've got to claim it so that when you give by Cash App, if you give by other, other means like that, we don't have your address. So if you'd like to receive it, you've got to fill that form out so we know who to send it to and where to send it. And uh, I'm happy to do that. We love you. There's a whole lot of love going on in the comments right now. A lot of people telling people they're beautiful. A lot of people saying they love each other. It's a good thing unless you're on like a uh, kid's website. That's not good. That's dangerous and it becomes illegal. But thank God that's not where we're at tonight. I love you. <laughs> Thanks for hanging with me. I'll be back again tomorrow in the morning, 1030 a.m., you don't want to miss it. Tomorrow's going to be a Power Pack Friday, Breakthrough Friday. And then Saturday, I'm leaving to go to York, Pennsylvania. The tent is up. The tent is up. We're going to have a tent meeting for, for six days. Then I'm flying from York, PA to Houston, Texas. I'm going to preach in Houston. I'm back. And it just keeps on moving until we hit uproar. New York, it's going to be powerful, man. I can't wait. Looking forward to it. I love you guys more than you know. Thanks for hanging with me. I hope this blessed you tonight. I know it did. Um, <laughs> people are laughing at me now. I very much appreciate you. I'll see you in the morning. Have a great rest, great night's sleep. Talk to you very soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.